Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 movie parties to avoid list in today's guest episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What? I have a guest here with me today to do this top 10 list with me, and it's James. James, hi. How's it going, Ryan? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. No complaints. Great. Awesome. Uh, good to hear it. And uh, it's great to have you on the show. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, it's been a long time coming in my head, <laughs> uh, you know, having listened to your show for over about two years now, I would say. Sure. I'm just curious. Um, how did you find the Cinerealists? Was it a Letterboxd uh, well, thing? It wasn't, actually, which is okay. strange because I'd used Letterboxd before I found the show. And, in fact, followed you on Letterboxd before I found the show. Mm -hmm. uh, but the app I use for podcasts on my phone, I just kind of searched up like movies and movie lists and like those were kind of the keywords I was using and yours was like the top one and I just listened to it and enjoyed nice. it I don't know and uh so I started at the beginning and I listened through the whole thing and and then started emailing you guys and awesome yeah it was... for for once the search algorithm worked in our favor because <laughs> normally often not well, I mean, the name is just too. It's a. Uh, we love the name. You know, I'm not complaining. But if you mm -hmm. if you go to Google and you type in movie podcast, there's no part of our name that gets you there. That's true. <laughs> there's film Understood. podcast, even cinema podcast. It's just just like too much of a bastardization <laughs> of like three different words that for it to come up in any helpful way whatsoever. But if yeah. you type in Cinerealist, we're pretty much the only one. So. Right, of course. <laughs> you know, once you're in, you're in. Right. <laughs> it's, but outside of that, it's a little clunky. I get that for sure. Um, but no, I'm I'm glad I found it. It, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say it was my favorite podcast to listen to. Oh, nice. And, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, not a problem. So. Uh, I was glad to hear, I was super stoked that you reached out, and uh, I was glad to have you on the show. Yeah, one uh, of the, like, unintended um, benefits, I guess, or, you know, things that have happened out of the podcast are, like, sister podcasts. Like, these podcasts that people that listen to us just, like, start podcasts, and then we normally hear about them, like, a month after they've launched their podcast or whatever, and they'll email in, and it's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And yeah. I don't know what number you are, but at one point, we were up to, like, five or six. Oh, wow. Yeah, these podcasts for listeners. Some podcasts, like, Zach's family members have started I've, podcasts. Yeah, I've heard you talk about his brother, right? Yeah. It's yeah. um, podcasts in other languages that I can't even listen to because <laughs> I wouldn't understand um, it. Um, yeah, it's been great. So, um, yeah, I know you've been doing Circle of Film for a little while. Zach mentioned it on the show. And you might have mentioned it in the email, but for some reason it never clicked for me. Yeah, I, I think I did maybe once or twice. Um, 
I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, like right when I started doing it, though. It was a little after that because I know he didn't uh, really pick it up until March, which was about five months into uh, doing the show myself. So, um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So only recently have I really started listening, but I was like, "Oh, this is pretty great." So it's now <laughs> in my rotation. And appreciate uh, that. Thank you. Yeah, just figured I'd reach out and let you know. Um, it's pretty great. Awesome. That means a lot. Uh, it's, so it's super nerdy. <laughs> it is, but uh, but I can, think you know that. <laughs> it, there's a bit of a barrier to entry, I must say. Uh, I think, especially with the statistics-based episodes, for sure. Yeah, but I do like the one of the last ones I listened to was your Kingsman one where you were doing the stats and you were running mm-hmm. through like every stat. And I, all I could think of was like, I wish I had all these stats on Kingsman. <laughs> like, I, know, I don't know why I would need all those stats, but I was just like, this is amazing. Like, he knows how many movies of every actor that acted mm-hmm. in Kingsman that he's seen and can also tell you a ranking of each of them. Yeah, I... I... I don't know. It, it was. It's been a, a a huge labor of love to to say the least. Just compiling all this stuff. Uh, I don't. I don't know what your expertise is with like Excel or anything, but uh, you know the 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 way that Excel is constructed. Anytime you edit it under the default settings, it automatically rechecks all the formulas throughout the whole workbook. Okay, <laughs> and. My spreadsheet has grown and grown and grown to the extent that now I can't do that because it anytime I change one thing, it takes like 30 seconds to do anything else on sure. the spreadsheet. So, you know, now I have to manually wait like half an hour of putting in information to then go back and say, all right, now do all the compiling one at once, <laughs> which is somewhat frustrating because i liked getting the sort of live update uh, uh, changes as i went but i'm gonna have to live with it for now sure i mean i as as much as letterbox does keep track of stats like to an extent i Mm -hmm. do think there is like a market for something like as detailed as what you do for yourself uh, like as a website that needs to exist at some point well there's I because I agree. I, I think that like I've I've shopped around a little bit for things along this line, trying to find the perfect thing. And like Letterboxd has probably come the closest uh, mm-hmm. of things I've found. Um, another site that uh, a different listener suggested to me was Critiker. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't. Um, it allows you to rate movies out of a hundred, um, or you can rate them out of ten, or you know, just a hundred is the right. limit. But it then breaks your movies down into 10 different tiers, which are essentially the first 10%, second 10%, third 10% of your rated rated movies. And then it'll, from that point, extrapolate uh, what it thinks you would rate such and such a movie you haven't seen, you know, hmm. out of the ratings you give it. And so it, I don't know, it, it, it hits a different aspect that my spreadsheet addresses that Letterbox doesn't, but again, it also doesn't quite get to the point where like exactly hit the things I really want in a website like that. Sure. So it's you know a little piece of this, little piece of that, little piece of that. Yeah, um, definitely. I, f- I feel like Letterbox has all the data, 
that you're using in your spreadsheet, they just don't share it with you. Like there's no way to get to it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I so I've I've actually I've emailed Letterboxd with like things I wish that they had available to me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um like for example, uh some of the actors on my spreadsheet the quantities for the number of movies I've seen them for are different from what Letterboxd shows me, mm-hmm. whether that's because uh, I don't consider something a movie or I do consider something a movie or uh, there's a lot of like voice actors who have really tiny roles or almost non-roles that don't come up on Letterboxd. Hmm. And I was like, well, but like they do come up on like IMDb or Wikipedia or something like that. And their response about those kind of issues is, well, it's really expensive and the movie <laughs> database is what they use is free. So I, right. I get that. I mean, what are you going to do? So, ugh. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Just makes it take longer for me to do this kind of thing. ultimately. <laughs> but I'm so far in now. I feel like I can't ever stop almost. Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, is it so. just that you're adding more data to the spreadsheet or is it that you're adding more like features to the spreadsheet? That's well, mostly it's just data, mm-hmm. um, you know, because uh, every movie impacts at least six different pages on the spreadsheet itself, mm-hmm. potentially more. Um, but then on the other hand, like there, are, I do, you know, I, I've recently decided to add on. Uh, for my directors, writers, and actors pages, uh, the place they were born slash their nationality mm-hmm. and compile statistics that way. So, like, eventually I'll be able to... When it's all finished and I've put in all the data, I'll be able to say, okay, the best actors in general come from, I don't know, Belgium or or <laughs> Oklahoma, United States, or something like that. Right. Or, like, right now I could say that uh, the... The place most of my top 100 actors on my spreadsheet come from is the United Kingdom. You know, hmm. uh, there's 27 of my top 100 from the United Kingdom, and then 14 from New York, 13 from California, et cetera, et cetera, down the line, uh, and so on for directors and writers and such. So right. that is the most new recent feature that I've added <laughs> in the last two weeks. <laughs> sure. So. Um, so yeah. it just takes like a lot of uh, like researching and cut and pasting, basically. Yeah. The hometown yeah. of every director you've ever seen a movie from. Pretty much, yes. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> would take a while. It would, which is why, you know, end all dream would be to have something like a letterboxed online where I could just put in, I rated a movie this number, and then it does all the things for me. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I can't do that on my own, but that's what I want. Sure. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Sense. Yeah. Uh, so uh, another something I wanted to let you know, though, I'm sure you're aware. I've been trying to watch all of your top 200 movies as well as Zach's. Yes, I'm aware of that. Yes. Okay. So today I finished your top 200 movies. Really? Yes. Nice. I, Watched the last one today. It was Miss Bala. Yeah. What'd you think of that? Uh, it's tough. I I wanted to like it more than I actually did. Mm-hmm. I think that the story is really interesting. 
and her character is super compelling to me, but I think that overall the movie didn't do enough for her and examine her enough, and it kind of focused more on the drug cartel's issues and goals and whatnot for me, uh, you know, watching it. Sure. You know, some of the scenes, there are some a few awesome tracking shots in that movie, and just, like, the tension and action surrounding her was very uh, edge-of-your-seat kind of stuff. But I felt, I don't know, I just felt like the character motivations for her specifically were lacking significantly, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's a little... Th- thin as far as a character goes i'll agree with that there's not she's definitely like a stand-in for the audience you know what i mean like you're you're concerned with her just because she's definitely the fish out of water the the fish who does not want to be out of water basically (laughs) and so you're you you feel for her you're concerned for her and you're in her shoes and that most of the story is revolving around her perspective of things so as a result there's not a whole lot for her to like um, other than being physically confronted with all these things that she shouldn't be in a situation being confronted with, um, other than that, there's no real room, like room for emotional growth because she's constantly under attack. I would say, right. right. So that that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think more than her character, I just like the device of there's this outsider and she's being put in this situation and seeing everything through her eyes as well as the fact that they could have just done that completely conventionally but mm-hmm. like you said there are like a there're like three or four particular scenes in this movie where i'm just like they could have done this e- the easy way and instead they went all out and made a sequence that is crazy yeah um, yeah yeah I, I like that and i especially like there's a scene they're kind of like out by a rock quarry by my memory Mm -hmm. and there's a guy in a chair and like a a truck and like the framing on that scene is crazy because like the worst of it kind of happens off screen somehow from my memory i don't know you've you've seen it more recently yeah no that's right yeah but for a movie that's a hard r i would say and it's a drug movie it just seemed like a curious way to shoot that scene. <laughs> I loved it though. Yeah, I don't know. great. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm totally finished with your top 200. I have four movies left on Zach's side of the list before I can finish those completely. But I've heard you guys in past episodes remark that some of the movies that are on there you probably wouldn't put on there now, and you know, presumably vice versa, as well as I don't know if this is what you're going to end up doing, but your 300th episode is coming up in two or three weeks, and the last couple of hundreds, you've added another hundred movies to your top lists. You know, are are you going to add 201 to 300 at that point? Yes, I, I already have my top 300. Oh, awesome! It's ready to go. That's and great. We're recording it in not not episode that comes out this week but the one after 299 will be the first half of that 300 uh-huh. and then 300 will be the back half okay and um and things have moved around but i would say that the things that are in the top 200 generally moved around within the 200 okay there's a couple that slipped into the 200 to 300 sure and and a couple from the 300 well that are new <laughs> right to all of it i would say okay um but i would guess that none of those are things that you haven't seen B- 
because they're mainly new movies. Right. Which shakeups. Kind of what I expected. Uh, right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, like La La Land landed in my top 100 this time around. Okay. Which I'm guessing you've seen. Yes, I have seen that. (laughs) Right. So it pushed something into the top, you know, 100 to 200. Uh, but if you've already seen the top 100, it's not going to hurt your 200 type of thing. There might be a couple from the 300 that moved in. And obviously if you're going to try to keep going with yes. 201 yeah. to 300, mm-hmm. there might be some new things in there for you. Hopefully there's some new things in there. For yeah. You. I, I, but uh, cause I think I started trying to fill this out a year and a half ago, give or take. And at the time mm-hmm. there were like 80 movies that I hadn't seen or so. Sure. So I expected the next hundred to be a lot more like, yeah, I've seen most of these because they've come out in the last year or two. Um, sure. So, but I did think, yeah, there's probably going to be like 10, 10 to 20 ish that I haven't seen. So, yeah. How far are you with Zach's list? Uh, four to go. So I have Contempt, Not bad. Or Debt, The Vanishing, and Baraka Left to See. Sure. So, yeah, Barack is a rough one, not because I've seen it, because I never want to see it. Oh, geez, really? It sounds so boring. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach's tried to sell it to me several times, and I just, uh, I'll get there someday. You've probably, like, I've also committed to watching all of Zach's top 200, mm-hmm. and you are obviously much closer than I am. <laughs> Because I've been doing the podcast with him for like three plus years at this point, and um, I think I've I'm barely through his top fifty. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. Well, I mean, fair enough. You know, there's yeah. I mean, obviously you have you have like a job <laughs> that you do uh, in your day to day, so you, know, sure. you definitely have more time obligations and family and stuff. It's. Sure. It's not even that. Like I could bear down. Like when I say I'm through his top fifty, I mean if I was counting without stopping, I could get through fifty for him. But mm-hmm. I, there's probably out of his top two hundred, I would guess maybe forty uh-huh. movies, maybe fifty that I have left. But if you look at how many I watch mm-hmm. per year, like last year, I was like around in the three hundreds. So I could certainly make sure. Space. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> to see those movies it's just some of the movies on that list he can't convince me (laughs) no i i yeah i get that for sure but having seen uh the vast majority of them was there one that you watched from him or me where you were just like i don't get it at all why why would this make anybody well you so you watched brat patrol yes i did okay Uh, but that that's that would not end up on that list in my opinion uh, I've seen, let's see, because I, I thought Brat Patrol was fine. It, uh, sure. it it wasn't, like, good, obviously. I don't have, like, any nostalgia associated with it at all. But I I got the sense of being a kid watching that movie. You know, that was fun, in a sense. Whereas, and I, I know you guys have talked about this before, but, like, The Postman. I don't right. get it whatsoever. I don't. I don't get that either. It's way too long. I, I agree. I completely agree. And, you know, I'm sure I've, I've written into the show and said the same thing. Because, like, I remember right. Zach talking about it in one of the episodes. 
Yeah, and the thing with Postman is he says it's great so often yeah. that he's almost convinced me that I'm crazy. Because <laughs> you don't hear anybody else talking about it. You only have Zach's input. Right. Right. Uh, and according to him, everybody loves it. Everybody he knows loves it. And I'm the only one that doesn't love it. And I'm just like, where, what, what world is this? I, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's boggling. It truly is. All right. Well, it's nice to know that uh, I'm not crazy. No, I don't think so at all. I, I think the only movie that hits both of your lists that didn't connect with me at all, I think, is Swiss Family Robinson. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that's that's that that one. I, I it's been a while since I've seen it. I, I watched it pretty early on because it was on you know both sides of the list, but I completely could not get into it. It didn't connect to me on any basis, and I mean it's like the second sure. lowest rated movie on both lists. So sure. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's a Disney live action movie from a long time ago. Yeah, and, uh, it is. It is. I watched it as a kid, and even if I was to watch it today, which I think I did just a few mm-hmm. years ago, I watch it with like uh, the brain that's going, "Oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember this." You know. So I, I don't know if it's a judgment of quality, more like this feels comfortable. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I get yeah. that. So, cool. two hundred movies seen. Uh, some of the statistics: my average rating across all of your movies. Uh, is 80.9 which i think is pretty good um it's it's higher than zach's is right now that's good there so those last four better be really good (laughs) yeah i think you would need them all to be an average rating of like 225 out of 100 to tie you so you locked that down (laughs) for sure and then since you're going to do 201 to 300 I'm ultimately going to make an episode going over these lists and pitting your 200 against 200 and 199 against 199. So I'll wait until the next 100 come out to finalize that. It's, you know, he can't quite reach you. He he can't catch you after the first 200 as of right now. Nice. Yeah, so, but uh, I mean, I found, I've definitely found a lot of movies on here that I wasn't aware of that, like, I loved and... You know, I was really glad to be introduced to because of this list for sure. Uh, things I wasn't even on my radar. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. It's been a great experience that uh, isn't over yet. <laughs> a couple to go. Sure. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're going down to 300 for sure. Yeah, we've, we've discussed like how far if we should just do this every 100, which to me makes sense because I'm like a creature of habit i guess or you know like um what's the word uh like around christmas like tradition Mm -hmm. right like to me to me like on our podcast we open the show exactly the same we close it exactly the same and like these are things that are comfortable to me (laughs) whereas zach surprisingly is i think maybe a little more Uh freewheeling than i am when it comes to like the conventions of things but as a listener i like it when things have a structure yeah you know, done in like a very specific way. Um, and, uh, and so to me, we're like, we're obviously going to do, you know, the next hundred at every, you know, episode yeah. 100 anniversary type thing. But really like how helpful is it to know our number 400 to 500 <laughs> movies? You know what I mean? Like at that point, it's gotten so far away from the cream of the crop that we're just talking about movies at that point. 
we're not really talking about great movies. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Could still be fun, but it's a, it's an ongoing discussion of how long we're going to do That's that. That's fair. I get that. I, I mean, I think... I mean, you got to consider that it's also compared to sort of how big your film library is. Because, you know, if, if sure. top 500 might be half of the movies they, that somebody's ever seen, whereas you and Zach have seen about 4,000 movies each, so it's a smaller... Right. You know, you're at a higher percentile going down to 500 or however long it ends up being. So, you know, it's, you know, for example, myself, I think, you know, when I last checked, my 1,000th best-rated movie, I think, is rated 82 out of 100, give or take. So that's still, mm. like, really highly rated by my standards. But I've seen 4,992 movies, which is more than the average person. So, you know, it's all sure. a little relative in that sense. Yeah, in my top... In my top 200 to 300, there's nothing that's lower than a four and a good um, four out of five, according to Letterboxd. And it, there's a good, uh, at least 60% of them are in the four and a half area. Mm -hmm. And then the rest are fours. And then there's probably 200 to 300 four stars that are okay. left out. Right. You know what I mean? Like these are these are the top of the mm -hmm. four stars to round out the top 300. Yeah. Huh. So, and you know, I mean, depending on how often you guys get in a games episode or not, it might take, you know, two years before you hit episode four hundred. Right. Uh, so sure. who knows how many more movies will get four and a half to five star ratings in that time, you know, that you've seen. Definitely. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to hear more of these. But we've got to talk about uh, our top ten, right? Yeah, we made a list. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Generally, I, I haven't done top 10 lists that aren't purely statistics-driven on my show before, so this is completely, I guess, uh, in honor of, in quotes, of, of you being on the show. But in your email, you mentioned uh, being, quote, late to the party. Sure. Which sparked the idea for this list, which are, uh, the way I phrased it, uh, top 10 parties in movies to be avoided, essentially. Uh, or like that you regret or would have regretted going to in some capacity. That was kind of the area I was in. Yeah, that's generally what I use as a criteria too. It's like it's not just a it's not just a party in a movie mm -hmm. or like a crazy party in a movie. It's like what character shouldn't have gone to this party? Like it did not go well yes. for them because they went to this party. Or characters, mm -hmm. there could have been multiple characters that shouldn't have gone to this party type of thing. Right. Um but mine kind of extended into like not only going to a party, but also like there's a couple where they they threw a party. Okay. Okay. Sure. I don't know if that's cheating or not, <laughs> but I used it. <laughs> I, I, I think that's fine. There's definitely uh, looking at my list. There's one that I wouldn't. Uh, there, there's there's one I'm a little iffy about, but the rest I feel pretty secure about their sure. placements. So uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh why don't why don't you go first okay uh my number 10 for this party list is uh from 1999 and it, it's a stanley kubrick movie called eyes wide shut oh yes yes it's also like a little bit like in making the list i was like what defines a party <laughs> you know because there's all kinds of parties there's like you know that's true mm -hmm. uh 
pool parties and beach parties and murder parties <laughs> <laughs> and there's uh sex parties <laughs> so yep. in in eyes wide shut tom cruise goes to a mansion where a sex party is going on and um i i don't remember he he's actually invited to the party right but he only has half nor does he steal an I invite think, i don't remember. i don't feel like he was invited in my memory yeah i think he's I think he steals an invite or he follows somebody there and he gets through like the first round of security with a password that he gets somehow. And then the second mm -hmm. password he doesn't pass yeah, um, or something like that. But it's definitely a party that sets him down a road throughout <laughs> the rest of the film that he would probably not want to go down with, um, with some level of an ability to look back. Uh, but the movie itself is great. It's, basically just a, a movie that uh, sets a specific tone and that tone is um, not exactly happiness and it just rolls with it through the whole movie and Kubrick has um, uh, has all of his weirdness his filmmaking and his uh, you know subject weirdness just on full display in this movie it's the last movie he ever made in fact he I don't even think he finished the editing on it, right? I think he was gone by the time. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think he had started editing, but it wasn't like a full picture, you know, done deal type of thing right. by the time he passed. But, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's not the easiest of his movies to watch for sure. But if you're a Kubrick fan, you've probably already seen it. And if you're not a Kubrick fan, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, uh, agreed. Like, not my favorite Kubrick. Uh, I didn't even think of that for this list. Totally off my radar. Sure. Um, mansion party. Mansion That's what I would call party. it. It's a mansion party. Fair enough. No, that's great. Um, point of interest, in your list, did you rank them based on how much you don't want to be at this party? Or what did you use to order your list necessarily? It's generally my list, like the top level of any list I make, and since we make lists on a regular basis on our podcast, mm -hmm. is uh, how much I like the movie, like the quality of the movie in general. Unless, unless like the name of the list is like specific to the quality type of thing, uh -huh. I'll I'll do it by that. But I'll also, if I'm having a tough time putting things in order, because sometimes the lists are kind of scattershot, even if it's a specific topic, I will secondarily review it based on the spirit of the list so in this one it's definitely my number one i definitely enjoy quite a bit i wouldn't say i enjoy it more than like the top five okay so that's where the secondary kicks in okay like okay so if i generally like these all the same making this silly list and <laughs> this one should be at the top because these characters more than one character all the characters in this movie would not want to go to this party hindsight being 2020 so sure, um sure. so yeah it's ordered in two separate but uh complementary ways i would say fair enough <clears throat> fair enough yeah i guess uh i'm a little fuzzy trying to remember eyes wide shut I, I don't think anybody like dies or anything like that at that party do they no not at the actual party but it is where he is brought into this world like he injects himself into this world and then the rest of the movie happens okay sure sure gotcha awesome no i agree so he should he shouldn't have gone Pro probably not <laughs> probably for the best probably for the best. right 
So, uh, my number 10 uh, is a movie from 2009, and it is The Hangover. Uh, Bachelor Party gone horribly awry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like huge in the public zeitgeist when it came out. I think I saw it two uh, or three times within the first couple of weeks that it was released. And that was the first year I was in college. So it was really big in my dorms and stuff like that. It, for me, kind of perfected the idea of backward storytelling in the most humorous way possible. And like, slowly remembering all these different things that have happened and the reason the reason that I put it 10th despite how crazy and and fucked up everything gets is it's a great story to have you know it may have sucked during but I feel like hindsight you kind of like yeah but I got an amazing story out of it yeah I like that movie as well and I I I think that's like the defining factor between why Hangover 1 is a fun movie and Hangover mm-hmm. 2 and 3 are just slogs. It's the yes. storytelling device is so well done in the first one. Yeah, but, you know, not a bachelor party uh, prior to happening that I would, like, ever sign up for. You know, waking up to a tiger in your hotel room, a mysterious baby, teeth missing, you were drugged, can't find the best man. <laughs> Sounds awful, but I mean, it all worked sure. out in the end, I guess. Yeah. All right. My number nine is a black comedy from 1998 called Very Bad Things. Have you ever seen this? I have not seen this. I uh, don't know what it is, actually. It's a Peter Berg movie. Uh, You might know him from like Friday Night Lights or The Kingdom. Uh, He also made the Battleship movie, which was not good. Um, But like Patriot's Day... Uh, Deepwater Horizon, you know, his Mark Wahlberg movies are the recent ones. Um, But Very Bad Things stars Christian Slater and Cameron Diaz, Daniel Stern, uh, the guy from Home Alone, um, John Favreau, Jeremy Piven, a bunch of people. Hmm. And it's basically a a bachelor party movie set in Vegas, uh, much like The Hangover. They hire a prostitute, and then over the course of some debauchery, the prostitute dies on them. And so the rest of the movie is them figuring out, like, what to do with this dead prostitute body. And it is definitely (laughs) a black comedy. (laughs) So it does not treat this as, like, (laughs) somebody actually died on us, and now we should contemplate this. It's more like how... A, we shouldn't be be having a prostitute, and B, we've been doing all these illegal things with her, and now she's died, Mm. and it's going to look like it's our fault type of thing. And so they're trying to figure out how to get out of it. Um, So uh, it's uh, if you like black comedies, it's pretty black uh, and has some pretty outrageous (laughs) funny moments, and the cast is um, just good enough that uh, it'll get you invested, especially some of these people in this film – Um, you don't really, um, like Cameron Diaz and Christian Slater, you just never, you, you don't really see them in roles where they're kind of, they're not playing anti-heroes, but they're, um, normal people doing really messed up things. And then when they're, they're tested, they just, it gets more and more messed up basically because they're trying to like save face. And, uh, those are characters that you don't typically see from those actors and, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great, and it's definitely like this bachelor party. These guys should have definitely not gone to it. 
Yeah. <laughs> sounds like so. um sounds like rough night. I I don't know if you saw that this year. I have not caught up with that yet. It sounds like the male version of rough or rather rough night is the female version sure. uh, of very bad things more likely which i mean rough night is is fine but this sounds far more enjoyable and debaucherous i uh i agree it's a it's a party that i would not want to be a part of <laughs> somebody dies it sounds really bad <laughs> it is cool <laughs> um great so uh my number 9 is a 2008 comic book movie called The Dark Knight. And the party I am pinpointing in this movie is the scene where the Joker crashes Bruce Wayne's party, hold Maggie Gyllenhaal at knife point, has that great monologue, uh, and then ultimately is forcibly removed from the party by Batman himself. Or, or thwarted, rather. Uh, one of my absolutely favorite movies of all time. And uh, as best as I can remember, I don't think any of the partygoers die in the movie. It's mostly just like being held at gunpoint sure. and terrorized. Uh, you know, I think there's a woman or, or maybe an older guy or the Joker like steals their champagne and drinks it. And there's an old guy that he threatens more than anybody else. But I don't think anyone gets hurt really in that scene. Uh, definitely as opposed to like The Hangover, not a story i would want to have in my back pocket uh, necessarily so definitely a party i wouldn't want to be at <laughs> you know they kind of make light of the moment when batman saves rachel dawes falling out of uh, off of the building and it seems like they're pretty much okay I, I feel like they'd be a lot more banged up than they let on so for those two a little more bruising happening there for sure like what is it 30 right. 40 floors up in the air when they fall no problem uh, that hurts yeah so i mean cool I, I don't know what kind of party you would call that uh, it's for aaron eckhart right they're they're funding uh they're funding dense campaign yeah i think it's like a you know like a campaign fundraiser type party something like that okay i would guess sure yeah yeah that sounds right exactly all right um i i have heard of that movie and love it <laughs> great my number eight is Good. from 1999 well like three late 90s movies i did not do that on purpose um and it's a movie called go oh i love this movie yeah directed by doug lyman who uh most recently directed not most recently but most recently in my brain he directed edge of tomorrow which is also another movie mm. i love yes um and uh he's also the swingers guy which is a movie that a lot of 90s kids like um so go uh there's a couple parties in go um two in particular i can think of one is like well i don't know if it's really a christmas party but at some point they invite um these two i think they're like not detectives but like da drug enforcement guys to like a christmas party or a christmas dinner so that's one party in my mind. And then the other party is obviously like a giant rave that a couple of the characters go to in the movie. Um, and it's not necessarily that the rave itself or the dinner party itself, the Christmas dinner party itself is uh, the problem. It's like all the circumstances that revolve around those two 
storylines that mm. eventually cross here and there. Um, but it's a uh, it's a fun movie that definitely feels like a 90s movie, um, even though it was late 90s. It kind of feels like it's not like the perfect amalgamation of that style of storytelling, but it's definitely one that stands out in my brain as something that like has stood the test of time as long as you watch it with time as a reference in your brain. Right. <laughs> like sure. this was made in the 90s, so you have to forgive it a few indulgences. Um, most of which like the cast, like Tay Diggs and William <laughs> Fickner and Katie Holmes. I mean, these are people, some of which have gone on to other better things, but some of which are definitely stuck in my brain as 90s. You know, Brecken Meyer, oh, Jay man. Moore, Timothy Oliphant. Again, at least Timothy Oliphant like went on to his own TV show, but the rest of these kind of never quite got out of the 90s for me. Right. But um, but yeah, it's a fun movie and uh, it's fast moving and worth worth a shot if you haven't seen it um, according to wikipedia it has become a cult classic i don't know about that but... yeah i don't know <laughs> but no i love it it's great it's been a long time since i've seen it but mm -hmm. uh i concur with what you've been saying <laughs> for sure um again you know i have not did not even think about that as far as this list sure. is concerned which I'm glad about because I, I really was worried that this was going to be like almost carbon copies of each other <laughs> in different <laughs> orders. Cause so was, far, no crossover. I know. And like, cause like thinking of all the movies, I was like, man, there's only like a dozen that I could think of off, you know, <laughs> even with like Google searching party movies and like various terminology they're in. But sure. Pleasantly surprised. Yes. Very surprised. It's not a super easy one to research. I would say. No, it isn't. Uh, unless you want to, unless you want like the same ten movies, right? Yeah. And I, I wasn't content with just like parties that got out of hand, like kind of like I don't know, maybe an old school type of party or like just college parties in general. I wanted right. like harder hitting stuff than that, like serious repercussions. We're not yes. going soft here. No, not at all. <laughs> Speaking of which, perfect segue into my number eight. Which is a okay. 1988 John McTiernan movie, Die Hard. Nice. Oh, Die Hard. Mm -hmm. I, this should have been on my list too, because this is a great one. <laughs> yeah, it I it was one of the last ones I added to the list um, because you know Die Hard is generally not about a party, and I think a lot of people probably forget that like it opens on a party, and the whole reason, the whole kind of. Uh, uh, conceit is that Bruce Willis, John McClane, is trying to reconcile with his wife at a party, which is where uh, Rickman, Rickman's Hans Gruber kind of terrorizes everybody, kidna uh, uh, not kidnaps, host uh, takes them as hostages, and sets up shop uh, for the long game that he's playing. And yeah, it's an office Christmas party. Yes, office Christmas party, and uh, it uh, I I I kind I I went back and caught clips from them from that early scene because it had been a while, but I didn't see it didn't seem like any if at all people died or like were hurt. It just seemed like they were surrounded by people with guns, but I remember there being more more violence than that. I don't know if you can think of that offhand. 
Yeah, I mean, I I vaguely remember. You you mean in general, you thought the movie was more violent than what you remember, or that just that scene in particular? Scene. It felt I felt like the the moment where like uh, Gruber's henchmen like circle everybody. I thought there was more like knocking people out, kind of yeah. firing guns into the ceiling, sort of a situation. That doesn't happen? In my brain, that happens. I At think least... that happens. The yeah. clip I saw didn't include the opening parts of the moment, so I okay. wasn't... So it probably did happen. I just didn't get to see that part. I of feel it. like <laughs> maybe one guy gets punched, and they shoot a bunch into the ceiling, and then uh, people are taking him seriously, but not really, until they kill that guy, until Gruber like kills that guy. Um, yes, yes. Uh, did, like, doesn't he kill the CEO or somebody like that? I don't remember. I think so yeah yeah and so it's it's pretty similar to like the way the dark knights party scene works out mm-hmm. although the reason i put it higher is because in the dark knight universe at least the people at that party could think like well batman can come save us but i don't think anybody in Die Hard is thinking well john mcclain can come save us kind of a thing mm-hmm. so it was it's it sound just seems more more of a dire situation for me there you go. Yeah, definitely. It's a good one. My number seven is from 2013. It's a comedy called This Is The End. Okay. Which is a big house party movie directed by <laughs> Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. It stars Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jonah Hill, Jay Barrochell, and like everybody that's ever been in any of their movies, basically. Yes. yes. Um. And it's uh, it's based on a it starts with a housewarming party that James Franco is throwing for himself, and literally James Franco, like his character's name mm-hmm. is James Franco, and <laughs> Seth Rogen, whose character name is Seth Rogen, is inviting Jay Parochell, who's coming into town, and um, and they just throw like or James Franco throws like this giant crazy Hollywood party and. Uh, Jay Barrichell is kind of the sub substitute for the audience. You're like seeing most of it through his perspective, but it's basically like any Seth Rogen or James Franco comedy type style movie just turned into some kind of like weird meta experience where they can refer to themselves rather than putting up any kind of like falsity that there's a character going on here. (laughs) It's Mm. just like, we are the characters we just are not going to bother with you know the structure of a solid interesting plot and instead just kind of make this party slash end of the world movie um and kind of send up people's perception of them and their comedy crew along the way right and um and it's uh yeah things get definitely get out of hand uh in humorous uh in interesting ways and uh and I enjoyed it. I've only seen it once. I need to see it again just to refresh my memory on like the specifics of the comedy. But I remember mm-hmm. laughing throughout it and just thinking, this is crazy that this exists, that like all these guys are using their actual names and they're just, you know, they don't care at all. And it's it's pretty great. Yeah. And they've got, you know, quite a, a good number of like cameos from Emma Watson, Channing Tatum, the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, uh, you know that uh, I loved all of that, and this was an honorable mention for me on my nice. list. Sure, almost crossing streams, almost. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but 
the reason and, and you know the reason I didn't put this on my list is I was trying to kind of I mean the world ends in that movie but it doesn't end because of the party or like if they weren't at the party it still ends you know which is sure. the reason I, I left it kind of in the 11 12 13 slot because I yeah, wanted I, more I can't remember <laughs> maybe you have a better memory of the movie but does the world begin to end because of something that happened at the party or was it just happened to happen on the night of the party the best i can remember it just happens coincidentally with the party gotcha. now I, I could be wrong again i only saw it once too so right. I, I may be off on that but best yeah, memory I, I think they're coincidences that's probably right i would guess perhaps yeah i i can't think of anything from the movie that would have like led to the end of the world happening i guess is what i would say mm. but great great pick i like it uh, my number seven uh is a movie from 1962 uh it is in a different language it's in spanish and it's a movie that i know zach is a big fan of and it's called the exterminating angel and essentially, it's a dinner party uh, in an upper-class house. And as the night goes on, the people at this party slowly begin to realize that they can't leave. And it's not like something's forcing them to stay in physically or anything like that. It's just they'll walk to the end of the edge of the room, and everyone will reach that point and suddenly realize, I'm going to stay a little longer. Or, you know, I wanted to talk to this person. Or I wanted another hors d'oeuvre or something to that effect. And, you know, night turns into morning. And then a day has passed. And a second day. And the longer it goes on, the more sort of Lord of the Flies the entire situation turns into. Uh, with uh, a couple of people committing suicide. Uh, an older gentleman, like, dies in the, like, over the course of the course of it everyone's hungry and thirsty uh and it just they they can't get out nothing they can't do anything to fix their their circumstances and it's truly traumatic to to imagine even like being in a circumstance like that and not really knowing how to get yourself out of it ultimately uh yeah, this is one that Zach has recommended to me. I think most recently we did an episode where we talked about Mother. And I think this came up on his list of like um, allegorical films. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's definitely on my list. I haven't gotten to it yet. But I'm a little scared of Boonwell movies just because okay. like, when people talk about like pretentious, <laughs> you know, like filmmakers, his mm -hmm. name is like always at the near the top of the list. And so I don't think I've ever seen a Boonwell movie. Obviously, I need to at least watch a couple just to know when he comes up, um, mm -hmm. like have a reference for it. But uh, I have not seen one yet. Is this your first Boonwell? Have you seen uh, any of them? It was my second. Uh, I've okay. seen Unchien Andalou, which is far, far, far older. It's from 1929. Uh, okay. but, and I, I think that one definitely hits more of the sort of pretentious side of him. Sure. But Exterminating Angel, um, is, it, 
from my from my point of view and from my experience watching it definitely sided more on the sort of more along the lines of mother than not mother which i know you really liked so i yeah, think I, I think you'd be far more comfortable watching this uh, cool. for that reason definitely great i'm looking forward to it my yeah. number six is from 2012 it's a movie called Project X. Okay, sure. Have you seen this? Heard of it. Uh, it came up on a lot of the Google searches I had, but I haven't seen it. Sure. Yeah, when when you first submitted this, not submitted, but when you suggested like parties <laughs> or party movies, mm -hmm. there was only like four that came to mind before I started searching a little bit just to refresh my memory of like, what movies have parties in it? Just to keep the <laughs> get the blood going. And Project X... Before I even looked at those lists, it was on that list. Okay. Um, it's basically about two high school students who throw a birthday party for their friend, but it's not really for their friend. They're more holding it as a reason in order to like invite everybody they know in order to increase their popularity, like at the <laughs> high school or wherever they're at. They're at. And over the course of the film, uh, the vast majority of it takes place at the party itself and the storytelling mechanism is that it's a found footage movie okay oh okay. so they're they're essentially these two students they're um they're they're basically recording the experience of them throwing the party and like the debauchery of the party and like how many cool people are showing up <laughs> and stuff like that and at the beginning it's all kind of like oh here's like the 10 to 20 people that we invited and we're all standing around with cups you know with like solo cups and we're in high school and we don't really know what to do at a party type of thing and then more and more people get invited and it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier before you know it like the entire backyard is just wall-to-wall -wall people and there's a dj that nobody invited type of thing and <laughs> Because of the first person found footage perspective of this going on, it's just kind of this circular movie where they're they're running around the house putting out, you know, um, hypothetical, not hypothetical, but like fires. You know what I mean? Like this thing is going right. wrong. And so now they're running there to like go keep the house from falling down or burning down or whatever. And then and now they're in the backyard and what used to be 10 people is now 100 people type of thing. Jeez. Oh, because while they were dealing with that other thing, all this other stuff has happened. And it's just kind of like them running around the house as things just go more and more crazy. And I think the movie was kind of marketed as like a teen horror movie or like, I don't I don't even remember how they marketed it. Maybe more of like a comedy. But mm -hmm. because of that found footage storytelling device and because it's not a horror movie, but it's using like that trope that horror movies use, it's pretty great. Because oh. it is, at its heart, a comedy. Um, but it's just, it gives you such a unique perspective for a comedy and uses, like, the same reason why the fears work so well in well-done found footage movies. The comedy in this one works so well. It's like what you can't see until the character is seeing it. Right. Um, and it's not filled with comedians you'll recognize. It's all people you'll never well, you might have seen them in movies, but most of them are not household names, and so um, that helps too because there's no nothing, there's no baggage brought to the movie, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and the movie definitely goes places. Like it's it's a movie that starts out as like a small house party, and by the end, there there is like a tank rolling down the front oh, driveway. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. <laughs> wow, and uh, I didn't really expect it, and it's 
probably um it's definitely one of my favorite found footage movies and near the top of my favorite non-horror found footage movies like it probably switch swaps one and two with chronicle fair enough non yeah non-horror so interesting because i didn't even realize it was found footage but that right pushes it a lot higher up my list uh yeah i think they mismarketed it for sure because i don't even remember hearing about it in like 2012 or at all it wasn't on my radar it also doesn't help that there's like a much more famous movie called project x (laughs) oh is there (laughs) yeah like there's a matthew broderick movie from way back in the 80s where he's like Uh... there's a monkey and there's like tests uh you know medical tests on this monkey and he breaks the monkey out and i mean i think you probably would have had to have been a kid in the 80s to remember it but if you remember matthew broderick movies and you hear the name project x you're like okay i know what that movie is okay gotcha cool project x interesting all right my number six uh is a 1976 movie uh, from brian de palma called Carrie. Uh, The party in question is prom and uh, it's it's pretty pretty bad. (laughs) I I rewatched the the scene uh, prior to this uh, and it it feels a little uh, sort of like um, I don't know hokier like the the camera effects that he uses but in, in hindsight but just the the tension is just so palpable as you watch the bucket like be pulled and fall and then the ensuing silence followed by the spattering of laughter and then all of a sudden sort of like this worst nightmare scenario that a lot of like tv shows and movies have played out with like you know people winning prom king or queen and it being a joke or this or that thing Finally, kind of like the 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 hens come home to roost, and she basically traps everybody in the auditorium, and it gets significantly and exponentially more and more terrifying with every passing second, uh, as laughter turns into screams of terror. And you know, one you know, definitely my favorite scene from the movie. I think uh, one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. Uh, and I think Sissy Spacek does a great job portraying Carrie and kind of like her crazy, wild-eyed, not your typical prom queen type of character. Uh, and I think that I would have, I mean, I wouldn't have been at this party because I didn't go to my prom. But had I been and this had happened, I would have been very, very di- upset and disappointed at <laughs> <in> having gone. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I don't know. You would have had a great story as long as you weren't. Uh, <laughs> as long as you weren't the one on stage, I think you'd have been fine. Maybe I don't know. It it uh, it's it's pretty pretty bad. Sure, <laughs> but I, I yeah, pretty one of the more like artistic, I think parties on my list. Hmm. But. You're talking about the original character. Yes, right? that, the original the Carrie, not the remake with um, Chloe Grace Moretz. I haven't even right. seen that one actually, but uh, you could definitely watch it. It's not, it's not the original for sure, but it's also not 
like probably its biggest sin is just it does nothing different okay and so like to some people that's really attractive and to me if you're going to remake something at least bring some you know attempt something mm-hmm. um and about the only thing they do is like add modern effects okay to some of carrie's powers that they just couldn't do back then but who cares yeah it's <laughs> fair enough so yeah cool my number five is from 1993 it's a top 100 movie for me called kids uh-huh which is a larry clark movie um with a screenplay by Harmony Corinne. Uh, it stars, well, the only two people most people would recognize as Chloe Sevigny and Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. Generally, the rest of the cast were unknowns at the time, and most of them haven't really made names for themselves afterwards. In fact, I think the guy who played Casper passed away. Oh. What was his name? Justin Pierce, I think? Maybe? Yeah. In 2000, he committed suicide. Oh, wow. Which is kind of crazy. Hmm. Um, but Kids is a pretty rough movie, I would say. It's it's really, in my opinion, like I didn't grow up in the 90s on the streets of New York, for sure. But I definitely knew kids like uh, in my neighborhood in California. And, I, and even though we were not near as extreme as these kids in as depicted in kids in new york uh definitely like there's truisms of the kids in this like just the way that adults think kids are they're really not like that they're probably a little more of a risk taker than we'd like to imagine or hope Hmm. um just out of naivety for the for the most part um and then you give them a scenario where they're like the whole city is their oyster and um or at least where you know the general area that they live and things get a little crazy um and then in the nine in the early 90s you also had um not that you don't have these today but you had like drug rampant drug use and um yeah a lot of like adult criminality that they have access to as well and in kids at one point in the movie the character of casper goes to a drug party <laughs> And then he rapes a girl who happens to have HIV and he doesn't know it. And I would guess if he could take it back, he would not have gone to that party. <laughs> Probably a good guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a series of parties throughout the movie that if you watch it, especially if you're a parent and you watch it and you're just kind of like, this is, this can't possibly end well. No. Type of thing. Um but I, I love kids. I remember when it came out, it was pretty controversial because at the time NC-17 was like theaters had just started showing like kids and showgirls and a couple other NC-17 movies. Um, and when, yeah, when kids came out because of the rawness and the depiction of teens doing drugs and things like that, um, there was a backlash against it. But I remember Madonna, of all people, <laughs> spoke out in support of the movie and said she thought it was the most important movie ever made and that if you had a teenager you should drag them to this movie because it will scare the crap out of them <laughs> and i th- i think she's probably right yeah <laughs> probably not far off honestly right for sure yeah hmm maybe we should listen to madonna's movie critiques more often i wonder yeah, really 
wonder how how many other times she's spoken out in favor or against a movie that's the only one i can think of (laughs) and i I didn't even know that one so it might be the only one she's ever done (laughs) but no i i agree because i watched kids because it's on your list and uh Mm -hmm. i was really excited to see it you know i i you know i like harmony corinne and movies that have that sort of stigma attached to them that like this is traumatic and like how could anyone make this kind of a movie things like that are movies Mm -hmm. that i and you know for me that's just like oh i can't wait to see it because that's interesting and that's different than what most movies are and kids is definitely definitely uh pays dividends on that for sure yeah it's it's rough yeah so uh my number five to uh keep right in line with kids is 1991's beauty and the beast (laughs) um it's a good double feature yeah the the uh the animated uh best picture nominee uh starring unknowns really mostly just voice actors from their time probably with the exception of angela lansbury uh about the age-old tale that i mean the tale itself is far more kids like than this movie for sure because they disnified it and made it glossy and pretty and added music to it and songs that the characters sing but uh the party itself uh that i i reference is in this version of the movie mostly just talked about uh in the live action one that came out this year you actually get a scene at that party and it's the party that happens where uh the beast is cursed and everyone at the party is also cursed and forced to live in this castle until the beast can find true love uh, with the added addendum that if the petals of a rose all fall off, the curse is permanent. And uh, at least in the live action version, the transition from human to candelabra to footstool to wardrobe becomes permanent and those things lose whatever humanity they had left i don't think the animated movie quite goes that far with it but uh it's definitely i mean it's not i don't i wouldn't call it being as bad as like being killed or for sure being (laughs) raped at all but it's definitely not a scenario that i think any of these characters really wanted beast least of all and uh certainly Certainly not one I would have want, would want for myself because it sounds yeah. pretty miserable, all things considered. I don't remember in the in the original animated version was it like who who was it that cursed them and was it because he turned them away at the door? I don't remember. Yeah, like so the, why there was a curse? I was actually able to watch this at the theater like a couple of weeks ago. Um, so what uh, it basically it tells the opening kind of story in um, uh, stained glass window scenes, essentially, and basically says that uh, the prince turned away this woman looking for, uh, you know, shelter, and then when he did turn her away, she cursed him and, like, the people in the castle and, like, everything that was happening there. And it... Now that I think about it, I don't even know if there was a party in the original movie. There might only have been a party in the live-action version of the story. Either way, there was a party. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put it put my foot down there was a party even if even if it was off screen yeah it was <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i'm with you but yeah i i would not want to be like a uh i don't know i wouldn't want to be cogsworth for the rest of my life on the chance that like this terrifying creature could find find a human being to fall in love with it i wouldn't bet my money on that <laughs> right Mm-mm. for sure mm-hmm. My number four is from 2015. It's probably the most recent movie on my list called The Invitation. Okay. Heard of it? Uh, Yeah, which is, uh, it's about a dinner party. So basically, um, this couple's holding a dinner party. They invite three or four couples. And one of the couples that shows up is um, the host couple the host couple the wife of the host couple it's her ex and his girlfriend okay but they invited the girlfriend without knowing that the the girlfriend's boyfriend is the host's ex if that makes any sense mm-hmm. and so um so they're kind of surprised that like oh we're exes and this is your house and now i'm at your house and i should probably go cuz you know evidently they're their breakup was not a good one and uh and the the ex-wife who's now the host of the party is like no 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 you should stay you know it'll be fine type of thing and so over the course of the film there's like some awkwardness for sure between these two characters and like them kind of um hashing out some of their past issues in like veiled ways over the course of the night at this dinner party uh, meanwhile, other characters in the scene, some of them know what's going on and others are completely oblivious to it. Um, like the, like the, the girlfriend of the, uh, male ex is kind of like, she just, she knows that this is the ex, but she, um, is kind of wrapped up in herself or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Point is over the course of the film, the reason why the, uh, the host of this which is one half of the X situation uh, is holding this dinner party becomes more and more clear. And it's a horror film and um, things kind of go from innocent dinner party uh, consisting of late twenties, early 30 year olds sitting around sipping wine in like a fairly nice house. Uh, Like that innocent situation goes like to 11 by the end of the movie um but it also has like it's not like a typical like oh we're just going to ramp up the drama and the horror and the thriller of it all right at the end they throw another hook in that like makes the movie better than all of those things Um, which is probably why you've heard of it and why it wasn't just relegated to you know uh on demand kind of garbage stuff um it kind of it throws just like one last element on top of everything and that smooths out all the um very familiar edges to this story but uh yeah i quite enjoyed the invitation and the whole thing is one big dinner party that 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 guy x when he showed up at the door and his ex was right there and he was trying to get out of it he should have just kept going (laughs) this is now this is the um this is Shyamalan, right no No, i don't think it has anything to do with (sighs) what was I must be thinking of a different movie then. Some the is that be. maybe the visit? I don't know. Um, yeah, there is one called the visit, 
that might but be that what was it's very it's a very different movie yeah i would say well okay this one's directed by karen kusama who um made do you remember that movie aeon flux yes in the mid aughts yeah yeah and she also directed jennifer's body uh which is okay uh, yeah it's all right sure horror movie okay um yeah so visually it's it's interesting and it's tiny tiny budget um <laughs> but but every dollar is well spent i would say okay yeah i definitely getting confused with other things uh regardless definitely one i've had on my list um to watch and just haven't gotten around to it yet but sure good to know that it bucks formulaic trends for sure because yeah. always a worry cool uh awesome uh my number four is from 2012 uh directed by lenny abrahamson who directed room and that is what richard did and oh yeah i've been dying to talk <laughs> to somebody about this i think you brought it up on one of your last episodes and i know zach hasn't yeah. seen it and so uh what richard did uh stars jack rayner who's kind of like the golden boy at his school uh he's on the rugby team and one night he just happens to be at this party and this he's confronted by this other kid who you know wants to pick a fight with him and he doesn't really want to pick a fight with him but his friends are there and they kind of push things in that direction and ultimately this other kid gets kind of the hell beat out of him and they leave the party thinking everything's fine. They just roughed him up only to discover that the kid dies. And the rest of the movie is kind of Jack Rayner's character trying to figure out if he can really keep this secret inside of him or if like he like if he has the courage to like tell somebody or how much it's going to eat away at him while he has to like ex like interact with friends of his and friends of that kids and like he i think i believe he like attends the funeral and like the like he interacts with the family and it just uh he tells his dad about it and like that whole thing and it's it's really it's a great kind of character study and it it's really tough to kind of i don't know like the whole movie for me i'm just like oh my gosh i need him to tell people like i want him to tell more people that this happened and like it keeps denying that gratification time and time again or he just tells somebody who doesn't really he who he the people he tells ultimately are people who don't want him to tell everyone essentially and uh that causes a lot of tension and a lot of drama in this movie but i'm pretty sure he really regrets that night in hindsight and uh ugh. yeah definitely i um i i love that movie for sure um partly because it just it shows off what jack rayner can do for sure um because he kind of goes from like the guy the every guy um maybe like one jock level up on the every guy in high school <laughs> and uh and he's uh, yeah just just perfectly normal dude who makes a decision that like people make all the time that all that 
generally turns out fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Everything. Sure. Worst case, you still have a brawl with this guy like at the party next weekend type of thing. Um, and then now he's in this situation where, um, where like he could probably get away with this. Maybe. You, you don't know for sure, but he, he could continue down the path of trying to get away with this. But what would it do to a normal guy's psyche? Like, he's not a psychopath. There's right. no reason to hate him because he got into, like, a high school fight. He didn't, like, you know, um, intend for this to happen type of thing. So does that make him a bad guy? He's wrestling with this. And I think you as an audience are at the same time. And Jack Rayner just plays it so well as like a guy who like he does something. He even knows he did it. And yet it hasn't fully sunk into him. Right. That he, what he's done. And over the course of the film, it becomes very obvious to him that like this is not something he's just going to be able to shake off. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I like the movie quite a bit. It's not an easy watch. It's no. very... <laughs> it's sad it's a sad movie <laughs> it is and i think that you know when you're you know you you most of these like you look at like a traditional i don't know comic book movie where for the most part it's like good guys bad guys and mm -hmm. you often don't get that sort of like good guy doing a bad thing and trying to reconcile still being a good guy on top of that and like this movie encapsulates that like so well and tries to say, well, like, can he still be a good guy given what happened? Cause obviously he didn't mean to do it, but mm -hmm. it still happened and he's got to deal with that somehow. Right. And it's not easy to take the steps toward accepting what's taken place for anyone. Yeah. And it's a movie that never lets him off the hook. No. Like, like, sometimes movies they allow things to happen to characters but then they also allow them to get off the hook because this happened or that happened there's just like this little bit of a there's just enough of an excuse so that the character as well as the audience can move forward with the rest of the plot in this mm -hmm. movie when it happens you're just stuck there right until the cold hard truth <laughs> comes out <laughs> and you just like Watch this guy suffer as you inch closer and closer to the cold hard truth. Right. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a brutal watch, but if you're into good performances and good acting and like solid movie making, it's it's worth the journey. I would say. I agree. I agree. Nice. Um, forgot though that there was a party in that movie, and that's like the impetus for everything. Yeah. Yeah. My number three definitely has a party. It even has party in the title. It's from 1982, and it's called The Slumber Party Massacre. I Have you ever seen not, this? Never seen it, don't know it. Not completely shocked. Um, <laughs> I think it's a movie that generally probably lost to time a little bit, unless you're like a schlocky horror film type person. Um, hmm. It's a slasher movie. It is exactly what it sounds like. Like without even looking at the poster, just take the name Slumber Party Massacre and you and 1982, the year 1982 and you generally know what this is. Mm -hmm. Um it's uh it's a movie about a couple of young women who decide they're going to have a slumber party and meanwhile there's like this um electric screwdriver wielding psychopath who's stalking women around town. 
and for some reason gets trained on these uh, four or five high school students and he attacks them while they're having a slumber party and um, it's a lot of like yelling and screaming and running around and him stalking them one by one and like weird <laughs> and crazy ways dispatching them here and there as well as like their two um, male uh, pursuers who are kind of like you know trying to crash the slumber party of course Naturally. and um you know, it's got everything you'd want out of a movie <laughs> from the early 80s <laughs> called Slumber Party Massacre. Right. And, uh, and not much more, I would say. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, no, I never, yeah, obviously never heard of it. I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a big horror guy. Uh, sure. But um, definitely fits the, the, the list to a T, I'd say. Not... Sure. Yeah, this one had two sequels. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen both, but I have not seen them since like the late 80s. Oh, wow. Back in the day when there was like rental stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and the only person who actually has a link on their name in, the, in acting <laughs> is somebody named Robin Style who evidently was in Jake and the Fat Man and American Ninja 4. <laughs> 4. 4. American Ninja 4. Fair so. enough. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, so I guess the optimal, or, or the, the question there is, um, well, how, you know, did you see this in like at like a high school age, kind of? Or later? No, I think... Like in the late 80s, um, I lived in California and uh, there were video rental stores. You know, it's like pre-internet. And so um, you would just kind of go to the rental store and they probably had, I don't this was a small rental store. It was not like a blockbuster. This is your like neighborhood (laughs) mom and pop. And they probably had one wall that was like Nintendo games and Genesis games and stuff like that. And then they had another wall that was movies. So I would guess they had maybe... 200 movies maybe Mm. 300 and then they had like an adult section with like the bead curtain and stuff like that (laughs) oh right sure sure (laughs) and so of the movies that i could choose from as a kid you only had like two to 300 and so it didn't take very long before you burned through just about everything on the wall and uh and this happened to be in the horror section also like house was another movie that i saw a bunch as a kid it's a horror movie Mm -hmm. that like nobody talks about or cares about and there's not there's really nothing redeeming about it yet i could watch it any day just because it reminds me of of that time um right yeah there's a there's a couple there's a couple that i remember more about the box than i actually remember about the movie okay um, but this is this is one of them and um and this one has gone on to like as far as cheesy 80s slasher movies i'd say this is near the top okay. of most lists so um it does have some merit as far as that goes <laughs> if you're going through those lists you might see it pop up but um fair enough yeah. Uh, now, would you go to a slumber party knowing the circumstances of this movie right now? Uh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Would you would, now? And then if the circum, if, if the killer, what would you say the murder weapons what they used were, you know, like those electric drills. Yeah. 
nowadays they're cordless right but in this movie it has a cord electric for some reason yeah there's there's a part in the movie where like one of the one of the women actually gets her own and she starts running at the killer and then the cord actually catches and like shuts the thing off it's ridiculous the whole movie is silly okay it's not trying to be silly right but it's silly it ends up being silly so now at this slumber party if this guy shows up with an electric drill, you scared? Right. Or is this like such um, an outdated murder weapon? Yeah, I mean, when you watch the movie, you're you're kind of like, this would not be that hard to get away with or to get away from. Right. I mean, it's a guy. Like, if you look at the poster, you can see the guy standing there, and like, you can see how long and kind of how heavy this would be. It's kind of like the guy who run chases after you with a chainsaw, too. Sure. Have you ever held, like, a full-size chainsaw? No, I've held smaller ones, though, and they're not easy to carry. Yeah, they're <laughs> not light. They're not, they're, they're uh, what's the word, like, wieldy? Yeah, they're, unwieldy. They're, like, they're unwieldy. They're hard to maneuver. And so, like, if somebody was chasing me with a chainsaw, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to just dodge it or just run until they're tired of carrying like this <laughs> forty pound chainsaw. Right. Um, that there's a lot of that going on in Slumber Party Massacre. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Good one. Um, my number three also has "party" in the title, uh, and that's from 2007, uh, Jeremy Saulnier's "Murder Party." I have not seen this. But it's on my list. Yes. Uh, the only person in it that I recognize as a name is Macon Blair, who is frequent collaborator with Jeremy Saulnier. And the premise is uh, this guy, Christopher, it's like Halloween. He's walking down the street, and he happens upon a flyer for a thing called a murder party. And because it's Halloween, he thinks, oh, well, I'll just dress up, I'll get in a costume, and I'll check it out. Like, sounds fun. And he shows up, and there's like six or seven other people there. And the idea is that, first of all, none of them thought anyone would show up. But, but second of all, that they, are, they tie him up, and it's a party where they're going to kill him. And uh, it's all done in the name of art. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're like college kids who are getting a grant to do this somehow. The, the, the motivations are very strange and convoluted, but it turn, what it, ha- what it end up, ends up turning into is, um, I don't know if you've ever seen like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but sort of in a sense, like the people trying to kill this person are the ones that end up dying is what ends up happening in a sense. Uh, and so it's not, I mean, I personally, I wouldn't go to something called a murder party. Sounds suspicious, but I guess like at Halloween, maybe someone would not put two and two together. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's that time of year and, you know, everyone's running around as Pennywise or a vampire or whatever. So I guess I can I can afford the movie that kind of a. Uh, 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 I, I can allow it that leeway. 
to get sure. there. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would either. If if I got an invitation that said murder party, it would have to be like somebody I really trust, right? And and even then, even then, I'd be like, what's up with the name of this thing? Because you know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, because like complete strangers, like guy lives by himself with a cat, like doesn't, and like spends hours like constructing this actually really awesome like cardboard costume that he wears to it hmm. and then he shows up and uh not quite what he wants it to be but is Macon Blair the lead in that or just no Blair? uh he's not he plays one of the okay. party goer people um but he's uh like his like his name in the movie is Macon and like most of the names of the people in the movie are the names of the people they are just because it's not I mean it's it's incredibly low budget like probably $30,000 low budget and mm-hmm. it definitely feels that way but like that's that's part of the charm of the movie itself just, yeah. yes so, murder party cool my number two we're getting down yep. there is another 90s movie <laughs> this one's called Boogie Nights okay yeah uh so in this movie um the jack character uh played by burt reynolds um well there's a couple parties in the movie the first one would be like the one at the beginning where dirk diggler is introduced to like the rest of the crew jack's crew of like porn uh creators Mm. i guess uh crew and um and actors and actresses uh, so that's maybe one party that Dirk Diggler probably shouldn't have gone to, <laughs> if you know the rest of the movie. Uh, there's also, like, midway through the movie or so, um, there's, like, a New Year's Eve party um, that uh, it doesn't necessarily... Well, it is a turning point for Dirk, hmm. because it's, like, a year later or so, and, like, right after that, you Dirk starts having problems. Like, that's when he's... He starts using cocaine and like he has performance issues on the set and like things just kind of tumble downhill from that. If I feel like the rest of it is like kind of upswing and then that New Year's Eve party is all downswing for most characters. Mm-hmm. And at that New Year's Eve party, um it's also the place where um the uh not Philip Seymour Hoffman, the John C. Riley character like finds out his wife is cheating on him and shoots her and there's just like a bunch of stuff that happens to that New Year's Eve party <laughs> that is a turning point for the movie, I would say. Yes. Uh, that's not mid movie though, that's kinda of towards the beginning. Is yeah, I can't I can't exactly pinpoint it. It's, I think yeah. yeah, it's probably middle early middle type of range. But right. yeah, there's just so much yeah, going on. Boogie Nights is great. I, yeah. I have not seen it in probably 10 years, but I need to <laughs> pop it in here soon. Yes. Just to refresh my memory. Yeah, it's been quite some time for me as well. But I, I do mm-hmm. quite enjoy it, despite the craziness ensuing and all that stuff. It's it's fun and awful, Definitely. but fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Um, my number two... It's also a 90s movie, 1997. Also um, features a character named Jack. You did say that, right? Jack. 
Yep. Yes. Uh, and that is James Cameron's Titanic. Uh, oh, yeah. Not like a conventional party, really, but like, I mean, there's definitely parties happening on Titanic, and mm-hmm. it's none of their fault, but the ship hits an iceberg, <laughs> and uh, the majority of them do not live. Uh, a lot of people die in the, on the ship, and it's it's pretty pretty awful uh you know it's 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 just kind of like a perfect storm of of this is the greatest ship ever made this is you know it could never possibly sink you know nothing could ever possibly go wrong we've got the best party we got the best people you know it's it's anything you could possibly want in a party which is why it makes the (laughs) the results that much more uh devastating when it does in fact hit an iceberg and it does in fact sink and so many of the people do die and the movie focuses on uh uh, jack and rose kate winslet leonardo dicaprio for the most part but you get you know cameron does a great job of really showing the ship going down and everyone scrambling and trying to survive and and just not drown not die you know the it's an iceberg so like the water is like freezing cold so you know just like floating in it is probably not going to be enough you have to be you know your survival instincts have to be better than that and most people's aren't uh especially when you factor in just how much anyone no one thought this could possibly happen and so it's it's tough to tough to like watch in that sense and I don't think anyone that, especially anyone that died, especially doesn't want to have been there. And I think very few people that survived <laughs> would have wanted to be there either, if any. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, not not a good party. Bad party. It's Titanic's probably the longest movie I've ever seen. Really? Three or four. Oh, times. three or four times. Okay. I've only seen it once. I mean, that movie is so long. <laughs> More than three hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. It... Maybe like The Two Towers. I've probably seen that like three or four times as well. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty long, right? Yeah, especially if you've got like the extended cut. Right. I think all of them yeah. break three hours with the extended cuts. Right. So, yeah, so maybe that's um, a close second or a tie <laughs> somewhere in there. But yeah, all right, my number one. Mm-hmm. So this is the movie that this is another one that came immediately to mind. Uh-huh. Didn't have to do any research for this one, and to me, it 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 matches both criteria the best. Like it's a movie I I quite enjoy. I think it's very well made. I think it's unique, and I also think. Every character in the movie would rather have not gone to this mm-hmm. party. Yeah. Okay. In retrospect. And the movie is from 1985 and it's called Clue. Oh, interesting. I like this choice. Remember Clue? I like this. Yeah. It's a, it's a movie based on a board yeah. game, but don't hold that against <laughs> it. <laughs> Norm, normally you can, but... In the case of Clue, it's maybe the only movie based on a board game that, like, the movie 
is in keeping in spirit with the board game and yet they made a good movie somehow some way um so it's a it's a mystery comedy uh if you've ever played the board game about um uh, mrs peacock and uh colonel mustard and all these different uh cartoon characters basically show up at this house and one by one they arrive they're introduced to each other and like these little mini um, exchanges happen where you realize that like oh some of these people know each other well how do they know each other and then over the course of the movie like they get murdered one by one and you're kind of waiting to figure out which of these people is the murderer and then um and then over the course of the film and from i'm not sure if they actually did this in the theater but definitely on the home video rental they had three different endings for the film and so the movie would play one ending and then be like but it actually didn't happen that way it happened this way and then they would like go back 15 minutes and then play out the movie as if somebody else was the killer and they do um they did that three times (laughs) and um it's a funny movie directed by jonathan lynn who um what else did jonathan lynn do i was looking earlier and i recognized one of his movies the whole nine Mm -hmm. yards is probably Sergeant Bilko uh, is another one that people like. I don't really care about it, but uh, My Cousin Vinny is a movie people know. Um, There's an Oscar winner in that one. (laughs) Stars uh, Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd from the Back to the Future franchise, Michael McKean. Uh, There's a a lot of people that maybe you don't recognize their name, but if you watch the movie, you might recognize them as comedic character actors from other films of the time and um it's a movie that moves quickly and uh is funny it's definitely like a talky movie it's it's less about the visual gags and more about wordplay and um characterization everybody's kind of played at like a cartoon level even though it's live Mm -hmm. action and um and yeah i uh, i quite enjoy it i was hoping like there's a theater in my area that plays like older movies one per week and i've been going there like the last couple of weeks i've been able to see rio bravo in the theaters and i saw the fifth element and this week they're playing clue but unfortunately i'm not going to make it to ah, that. but um but uh yeah love clue and i need to watch it again <laughs> yeah i i saw it for the first time this year uh you know and uh, the version I saw did have the three endings at the end kind of stacked mm-hmm. back to back to back, which I hope they didn't do when like and they ran it in the theater. But like watching it in, you know, this many 30 some years later, I actually kind of find it right. interesting that like maybe they could have done it that way on a first watch, you know, because like it, it does kind of you mean made it so that like. Different theaters had different endings. Yes, or even just show all of them. You know, I, the yeah, theater. I, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I mean I don't, I don't make movies, so I, I probably have that wrong. But I think for me, I liked that aspect of it because it's it's crazy to think that all three of those endings you can draw a line to get to them, and like, which at the end it yeah. makes you realize, well, they they withheld so much information from you. <laughs> because there's so much they can (laughs) fill in and yet i never felt throughout the movie that like i wasn't being given enough information to go along with it 
you know, mm-hmm. and and you're right. I, I love the writing. It's 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 so so clever, and the wordplay is so funny. It's great. Yeah, screenplay by John Landis, who if you like '80s comedies like Blues Brothers, Animal House, Three Amigos, mm-hmm. Coming to America, Beverly Hills Cop, those are all John Landis movies. Yeah, he he was a good one. Yeah. Is a good one. He's still alive. I don't think he writes anymore, though. <laughs> I don't think he does much of anything, it seems like, these days. The, the last thing I heard about him, because his son, Max Landis, who made Chronicle, uh, I heard he was like going right. to remake one of John Landis's movies. I forget which one, but apparently John Landis spoke out and was like, I don't want him to make that movie. <laughs> which I <laughs> thought was like really funny. He's like, if, if your dad's not even on board probably shouldn't do it right great definitely so um that just leaves my number one and i'm so shocked that we literally have no overlap because you haven't said my number one either yeah and i really thought really did think this was going to be something that we hit on a few times but pleasantly surprised and so my number one uh, is from 2014. Uh, it's a Matthew Vaughn film, and the sequel came out just a couple of weeks ago, and that's Kingsman: The Secret Service. And okay, the party in it is towards the very end of the movie, uh, where uh, Samuel L. Jackson, the villain, the char- his character, basically he's throwing a party for all of the people in the world that he wants to keep alive, and he, they have these like chips in their neck. And, you know, he's, you know, he's setting up his dastardly take over the world, etc. plan. Uh, the Kingsmen show up and in the process, they set off these implants in everybody's neck that turn them into human fireworks. And so there's like a two minute montage scene of every single person's head exploding into fireworks. And it's, it's ridiculous it's incredibly over the top and it's a lot of fun for the viewer because you're on the side of kingsman but that party everyone dies uh except for one person who makes it into the sequel but it you know like i uh it's it's got like a 99.9 percent effectiveness everyone dies rating as far as that's concerned and as nice as it would be to have been chosen to, you know, be in this exclusive party and, and be considered this, you know, you know, at, worthy of, of, of being there. Definitely, uh, you know, don't, I, I don't know. I think like, I don't know at what point the, the, the sort of the, the implant is put into your neck. Like if it's once you get there or, you know, whatever, but like, I think that's where I draw the line. Like, I don't want anybody putting something in my neck. I don't, I can't think of a movie where that turns out for the better. Uh, it just seems, it seems like sure. bad news all around. And it certainly is for every single person that that happened to. And so, yeah, I mean, Titanic, a lot of people died, but King, I think the the higher ratio of people die in King in Kingsman's party than as as opposed to the Titanic for me. Sure, was that in the the first film or the second one? 
first one. First one. Okay. It's yeah. I was gonna say it's... I recently saw the second one, and for some reason I don't remember much about it. Uh, <laughs> so I couldn't remember. Like, is he talking about the first movie or the second one? But uh... yeah, because um, because it's like it's Samuel Jackson, and you've got uh the the gazelle knife blade leg lady who fights right. Taron Egerton, and there that's after everyone's heads exploded and sure it's just uh yeah and i don't know i it's a pg-13 movie so i guess like that's the better alternative than like actually exploding people's heads and like bloody guts and everything sure. might have pushed them into an r rating but the original didn't have an r i thought it was r i did it i i don't because maybe you did because you have remember. that scene in the church that it like is, uh, it did have an R. Yeah, it did. You're right. I'm mistaken. I'm mistaken. Then I I wish there would have been like blood in the fireworks, kind of. I don't know. I don't <laughs> sure. know if they could have done that. Maybe they tried it and it didn't work. But right, could have done that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the the both movies, uh, both of the Kingsman movies, I think they definitely ride a delicate line of like. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're a little bit of a spoof of James Bond, but we're also like a little bit of like kick ass or, you know, a couple of other things mixed in at the same time. Um, right. But then they also take the spy stuff just serious enough for some people. <laughs> like in the first movie, I thought the balance was perfect. Like that, if you're going to make I that agree. movie, that's what you that's what you should aim for. And they they hit everything they should have hidden. Whereas or should have hit whereas the second one by the time uh what's her name the the red-headed woman julie Julia, julianne moore julianne moore is like sticking people into meat grinders i was just like this is <laughs> just too much of a cartoon for me at this point like it's it got mm-hmm. got crazy for me that second yeah one i think yeah i think this the golden circle definitely falls on the other side of that line for me for sure yeah where it's basically just like it's a rated R Austin Powers essentially. Yes. Yeah. That sound that's very accurate. I like that. Hmm. Cool. So, we made it. Yeah. 20 movies. 20 different movies. Parties that people probably shouldn't go to in some capacity. Uh, I like it. And like I said, cool. really glad that your 10 were different than my 10 for sure. Sure. Definitely. Um, okay, so before we go, you're a big movie yeah. pass guy, right? Or at least a recent yes, I am. big movie pass guy. So I I've I've been a movie pass member for I think just about to go into my fifteenth month. Oh, okay. So you were doing it so when it was at fifty dollars a month. It was thirty five for me in Pittsburgh. 35. Okay. Yes. Was it based on where you lived? Uh I've heard reports that it is. I'm not, I don't know, because I've only ever been here, right. but I've heard that other places like LA and like California and, and New York, it's more expensive, but okay. Or was for me, it was rather. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was, but for me, it was, I think it started at 35. They raised it to fee shortly after I joined. And then now it's, now it's 10. Sure. So you were probably making your money back at 35 because you go, how many movies a week do you see? Would you guess in a theater? On average, six. Really? In a theater? Yes. Do you live near a theater? I I live about a 10-minute bike ride from a smaller local theater that only has four screens. I okay. live 
about a half an hour bus ride away from like a big 22 screen AMC and then a 30 minute bike ride to a even smaller one screen theater that has pretty much only old movies but I, I don't go to there as often as I could sure so wow that's that's <laughs> impressive I have a hard time getting to a theater more than like three times a week I would say okay which like uh, to normal people is like three times a week that's insane <laughs> right no I, I totally I know, yeah I don't know how I'd make it six but um <laughs> So, so movie pass is like was already losing tons of money on you, and now they're oh, really sure. losing tons of money on you. <laughs> yeah, because I, because I joined in last August, and the first movie mm-hmm. I saw with it was Sully, and the first month I went, I saw twenty eight movies in thirty days. That's crazy, and it, it, it you know, and then since then it's it's. I don't know, probably between 20 and 25 a month, give or take, depending on like if I'm on vacation or this, that, the other thing. But um, right. as far as, it, you know. Sorry. Has it helped that they dropped the like, you can only see the same movie once? Or had you uh, already worked your way around that? I I mean, I never sort of like, quote unquote, undermined the system. Like I wasn't trying to get into 3D or IMAX screenings or anything like that, you know, right. before. And even now, I've still never seen the same movie twice with Movie Pass. Uh, so, like for example, like today I went and saw Marshall with Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday I saw My Little Pony. Uh, the day before that, I saw Happy Death Day. Um, I saw Earth One Amazing Day, which is a documentary. Uh, Victorian yeah. Abdul, The Princess and the Frog, The Mountain Between Us, Blade Runner. Flatliners, American Made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, sure. It just it's just kind of like having enough movies to come out each weekend at this point, and there aren't always. Right. So did you have any interest in My Little Pony, or are you just trying to watch just about everything that comes out? Part of it is everything that comes out, but I will say that the the big AMC theater near me releases mm-hmm. a lot of like Bollywood movies and Indian movies. And I generally don't go to see those because I don't have any interest sure. in them. But the other element is at least My Little Pony has like really notable voice actors in it. So like Emily Blunt, Kristen Chenoweth, um, you know, Leave Schreiber, sure. etc. So like that's going to be important for me for my spreadsheet, which is generally why I go see quote unquote like bad movies so often. Sure. But yeah, I mean, the only things I will pass generally in a movie theater are things that are films that like have names to them but are also like the worst version of that person so like <laughs> let's say like a seth rogan movie comes out and it's mm-hmm. got like a 20 percent on rotten tomatoes i'll pass sure. i've seen enough right. seth rogan movies and if this is not one that's like anywhere even close to one of his best then i'm out type of right but if it's like a movie like the mount um, like the mountain between us, I mm-hmm. saw that, and that yeah. didn't get great news. But I was like, okay, well, these two actors I've never seen on screen before—they're in a survival movie. I haven't seen either of them in a survival movie, right? And and at that Rotten Tomato score was like in the forties, and I was like, that's still like four out of ten, roughly. Yeah, well, it's mixed, it, sure. Yeah, that that at least like. And not necessarily like even some of the blurbs that I read 
on Rotten Tomatoes were like not overly negative. They were just kind of like, eh, it didn't really do it for me. Right. Or didn't quite get there was mm. like something that somebody said. And I'm like, well, that's different than like, I hated it <laughs> type of thing. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I will totally go see something that especially critics think is awful. There are some people that if they tell me it's awful, I will immediately bypass <laughs> it, especially in a theater. Sure. But I do find that movie pass makes it better yeah <laughs> when it comes to seeing movies that you you're not really taking as much of a risk other than your own time at that mm. point um but in my first month on movie pass yeah. this go around because i did it one month before i hit 14 which i thought was pretty good yeah i mean like that's what 75 80 cents a movie like how do you yeah. beat that <laughs> uh, you, you don't yeah. i don't understand I mean, I wish I understood because I'd probably be very rich. How they plan <laughs> on doing this? <laughs> I, it doesn't make any sense to me. I know what I've read is that they've guaranteed this price point for twelve months, and the reason they're able to do it is because they have funding, and they're like extrapolating all this data from all these movies we go to see. But I don't I don't know like how that translates into more money necessarily. Right. Like are they just going to say like oh cuz like it seems counterintuitive because now that we can see even more movies for less money, we're going to go see movies that we generally wouldn't want to see in the first place, which is going to dilute that data it feels like to me. It's not Yeah. just everyone's going to go see Star Wars and that's going to be it. You're going to see a much higher number for things like My Little Pony, The Mountain Between Us, etc. Yeah, and it feels like the data in the movie would be more like in the marketing aspect of it. So like if you could connect like okay, 50 50% of people saw Star Wars trailer A and 50 people saw Star Wars trailer B and like that mm -hmm. the first, the ones who saw A were like 80% more likely to eventually follow through and see the movie in a theater. Like that's a stat that uh, a, a studio would be interested in. Right. Right. Sure. But the movie pass app sucks. Like I would never <laughs> use that app to research movies. No, <laughs> it's, not it's at the all. worst. It it's... barely works for the function it needs to <laughs> like accomplish. And so I don't know what data they're collecting because right now they just they have the 14 movies I watched this month and that's it and that tells them nothing basically. <laughs> yeah, it like it it in theory would have like cuz I know it's uh, some some elements of it like it shows like a Rotten Tomato score. It supposed it has like a section for where it could have a synopsis but generally that's blank. And Yeah, half the time in mind the movie poster doesn't even come in. Yeah, I have like looking at like my history of viewing like half of them don't have the posters i think one of them even has like a placeholder poster in it instead All right <laughs> so i yeah i agree i don't know i mean I'm, maybe in like nine ten months time they'll like actually tell us what this changed or affected but I, at the moment right couldn't tell you i don't know yeah it's crazy but, but i'm i mean i'm not gonna I'm not going to complain to them about it for sure. I'm, I'm enjoying it while it lasts for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Cause like I, um, cause like before uh, I, cause like I, when I go to the AMC, I can use my AMC stubs card and gain points with it at no cost to me. And so when I started dating my current girlfriend, I had racked up 
like 90 some dollars worth of credit on my stubs card and nice. so i started <laughs> when we started our relationship i told her i was like look you'd like to go to the movies too, like, uh, like two and so every time we go to the movies i got this <laughs> and so she and i have probably been to the movie we probably go to the movies about half of the total number of times i go to the movies Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, for her, that's still a lot for a normal person. So, like, that's more like your range, like three a week or so. Sure. And uh, quickly ran out of credit on that really fast. <laughs> and so when they announced the drop, I was like, all right, signing her up for this, I can now spend $20 a month for both of our us to see everything. Sure. And, you know, like, why wouldn't you? Like, I just, you know, even if you see two movies a month, like, you still end up saving money. Right. Or one. If you go to like in in Orlando, if you go to like a normal, regular, non IMAX, non three D, seven o'clock at night movie, it's more than nine ninety five. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. It's gonna it's gonna cost you eleven to thirteen dollars, I would guess. That jeez. See But Orlando's like tourist town. That's true. You have to remember that. That's true. In Pittsburgh, I think the normal like evening price is either like eight forty nine or eight ninety nine in most of the things I've seen. Maybe ten dollars sure. at the AMC, but generally it takes a second movie to push you over that ten dollar limit. But man, I think yeah. there ha- like now I don't know about you, but since I've had Movie Pass, I don't think I've gone to a single three D or IMAX movie because I can't pay for it that way. Here's here's what I just found out this week. I went to see Blade Runner for the second time. I decided I wanted to see it in 3D. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I wanted to use my Movie Pass, of course. And so, I figured what I'd do is I just buy a ticket for something else, and then I would go to the counter and be like, "Oh, actually, I want to see Blade Runner," and just have them like swap the pass out, and then I'll pay the difference essentially. Uh-huh. But then I was at the kiosk, and I was like, "I wonder if this will work." <laughs> like I checked, I checked into, I checked into some other movie yeah. and then I went to the kiosk and I just bought Blade Runner 3D, 3D uh-huh. right? And then it asked me to swipe my movie pass. I swiped it and then it said, uh, the balance was not enough to cover the movie and there's a dollar 10 cents difference Okay, and, and swipe your second method of payment. And I was like, sweet. So I swiped my <laughs> credit card and I, I saw a 3D movie for a dollar and 10 cents. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. So I'm guessing the movie pass system, which would make sense, has no way of checking what you're actually charging. No. Because they're I, basically, it's basically like a gift card, essentially, like a MasterCard gift card. So when you run it, it's going to just run it for whatever's on that card, like right. the maximum of what's on that card. I think it's like 15 or so dollars, roughly. Right. From yeah. what I've heard. Um, so, yeah. I mean,. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't so know. I guess in I guess in theory they could like compare that to like the normal ticket price and like I guess they could notice the discrepancy and come back on me. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm I'm not, not sure because I know that they're working on like premium subscriptions that would include 3D IMAX stuff always. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how strict they would be about like going to see like swiping for an IMAX movie or like getting a normal movie and upgrading it because a few months ago before they price dropped everything you had there was a period of time where you had to take a picture of your ticket stub after you bought the ticket to send to them right 
which was also done through the app so it was very clunky as well but i mean at that time like you couldn't really like, i mean like you could like take a picture of the normal movie then upgrade it kind of a thing right which would just be like another extra step but yeah i'm not yeah i don't, I don't know what kind of repercussions they have at their disposal if any yeah, it seems like they got they got new leadership at some point who was like, let's just eliminate all the goofiness. And we're either going <laughs> right. to have a system that people want to use or we're not. Yeah. And so if we're going to have a system that we need to use that we want to use, then let's eliminate every rule we have that is unnecessary to getting more users to sign up and then price it at like an impossible to pass up price. Exactly. And generally that seems like it's working. I just don't know if it's going to work for their bottom line in the long run. Yeah. Cause I, I can't do the math for sure. Because at least before, like you would have a probably a good number of people who couldn't hit that $35, $40, a month subscription fee. Right. And would just not cancel it for whatever reason. But yeah. who can't hit $10 anymore? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hmm. crazy. Yeah. But I'm I'm happy. And I think most I think most people are happy with it at this point. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, one other thing I sure. wanted to bring up with you before we go is Fantasy Movie League. Yes. And so I haven't looked you, for this weekend. I guess it's not uh, officially out, but it's not official yet. Um, but so your particular like picks are what I kind of wanted to talk to you about because <laughs> I remember you saying on a previous episode of, of the Cinerealist how like I don't know if it was last season or the season before that where you were like testing different methods out and trying to like get a feel for your own style and like the game itself kind of a thing according to this I might have the win this week <laughs> um <laughs> which seems so crazy. I, I because like because like looking at like this season it like just your weeks in particular have seemed to like fluctuate kind of wildly yeah <laughs> I, I don't know how how closely you've been like looking at them in hindsight or anything but like particularly the week that like it came out and you didn't play it at all uh really hurt you but then like last week where you had you were the only person who had six mountain between us Right, which ended up being part of the perfect Cineplex, and like, that's, I don't know, like yeah. So week like so the, week one I was seventh, week two mm-hmm. I was nineteenth, mm-hmm. week three I was one, I I won that yes. week. Week four I was third. Week five I was nineteenth again. <laughs> week six, you won. I won. Yeah. There's like, like just... there's really no middle ground. <laughs> no, you're like best or worst kind of almost, uh, which is, yeah. is is interesting. And actually, this week I'm doing awful. Yes, I mean I got brutalized this week. Now that I look at it, no, uh... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not predict Foreigner would do that well. I figured, um, what is this? I don't even know what movie this is. Marshall <laughs> would do all right. Um, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Um. So your question is what? Do I have a plan uh, at all, or am I just throwing darts at the wall? Or 
Is that your question? I mean, a, a little bit, but I mean, I guess more, more, I mean, to kind of like zero in on it a little bit more is, um, I, I don't know. Cause like for me, I like, I, I haven't done particularly well by my own standard standards this season. Right. And there've definitely been a couple of weeks where I've been like really missed the mark. Uh, like playing Blade Runner last week was a terrible decision. Uh, but all in all, like I've done fairly decently in terms of the league as a whole, whereas, and like, I haven't won a single week, whereas you've won two weeks this season and are still like kind of toward the bottom of the pile so much. So I don't know how things fluctuate so much for you. And I'm curious how, what you think is the reason. That's a good question that I don't really have a solid answer for, (laughs) but I will attempt to explain my reasoning um, like the first season or two, I would say I did okay. Right. I was like in the top yes. 10 in general, sometimes in the top five, I would, I would bump around here and there. Um, uh, but I wasn't you finished fifth in the first full season of the center realist league. Right. But I wasn't fifth. winning. Right. Uh-huh. Like I was doing okay, <laughs> but I wasn't winning. And so, sure. um, and so there was like a season or two where, uh, I didn't play really like when I was playing, I was more goofing around and just trying things. And then there were some weeks where I was like traveling and I literally missed the deadline. And so that Uh would, that would screw my season. And then I started really just messing around with things like not using any kind of calculator and just going completely on gut. And sometimes (laughs) that would do okay. And sometimes it would do absolutely awful. It never did well. I would say (laughs) just completely going on gut. Um, and so at the start of this season, uh, I decided I'm going to make sure that I actually do this every week. What okay. what the biggest thing is like as of January last year, I quit my job and went freelance. And okay. so when I had like a nine to five job where I was getting paid to like a portion of that day was to goof around. <laughs> it was very easy to find the time to like. I sat behind a computer all day long. And so I just would goof around. Uh, and like on Thursday, I literally had like a calendar ding <laughs> that would tell me to set my picks on Thursday. And then it would tell me to set them Friday morning at like 11 AM uh, right. to like double check them and make sure they're still good. So all that went away and it was, it's for some weird reason, the more free time you have, the harder it is <laughs> to like actually get stuff done. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, I get um, it though. I get it. Yeah. So, so the first half of this of this year was basically crap because I would get serious about it and then I would miss a week and just completely blow it. This sure. season, I have actively tried to win every week so far in this okay. season, which is why there are weeks where I'm like third, and there are weeks where I'm number one, and then there are yeah. weeks where I completely miscalculated somewhere what was mm-hmm. probably going to be the best performer. Those are the weeks that like you can really see that I've miscalculated. I tanked somewhere along the line. Um, yes. There are a couple weeks here where I didn't get to like the Friday double check. Um, sure, sure. But I, I don't remember if those are the weeks I did awful on. I wish I <laughs> had paid attention enough to, to know that off the top of my head. But it looks like this is one of those weeks where, like, earlier on, I was like, uh, it's going to be close, but I'm going to go Marshall. And now it looks like uh, I lost out on probably $12 million easy right. by that choice. Plus, the foreigner seems to have done amazing. 
really. Yeah, it just keeps like outperforming its expectations a little bit more every time they update the sc- the number, which yeah. like I I thought it was do okay, but like not this well because it looks like a bad version of Taken to me. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I saw it uh, not last night, but the night before, and it's um, it's it's fine. It's nothing anybody's gonna put on their top, you know, list at the, <laughs> at the end of the year or anything like that. But neither was Taken. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like Jackie yeah. Chan movies and you want to see him in action movies, these are, uh, this is a Taken style action movie for him. What surprised me is that it's really not a Jackie Chan movie. It's a Pierce Brosnan movie. Like really? Pierce Brosnan is a good. 60% of the movie and Jackie Chan is 40% of it. Wow, okay. Easily. That's not the way I envisioned it from the marketing. Right. For sure. They're not marketing it with him <laughs> at all. They're marketing it as Jackie Chan as old man kickbutt basically. Um <laughs> right. and, and there is that element to it, but it's more about the the IRA and like Irish UK politics. Uh, right. surrounded by the IRA and then you have this side story of this foreigner guy who is like US special forces trained who keeps throwing a wrench in their politics um, hmm. but uh, it's worth a watch you'll see it no matter what I'm sure But yeah um, I, I have plans to see it with a friend on Tuesday so sure. I'll get there <laughs> it's definitely uh, watchable I would say so yeah so I think you can trace my bad weeks to um not necessarily a hedge because like i've learned a hedge is more like you sprinkle with what you think the best performers would be right um because you did that week for this season um where you had like seven different movies right this is more like a um i put all my chips on the wrong movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) you can kind of trace all the really bad weeks to that and so to me even if the lineup calculators are like not quite meshing with what I'm feeling mm-hmm. inside <laughs> is probably <laughs> going to happen. Most of the time I'm just rolling with it because half the time it's working. So I'm hoping that eventually I'll hit a nice little sweet spot that, <laughs> um, that like it, it, it happens more often than not. And that I can detect the weeks where I don't have a strong handle on it and then do more hedges at that point in order so that the losses aren't huge. Right. Like right now when I hit, when I hit a loss, it's huge because I've bet on the wrong movie. Um, (laughs) But if I'm in the right zone, it's one, it's three, Mm -hmm. it's five. You know what I mean? It's not seven or 10 or 12. It's right. not in the middle there, which is kind of where I was stuck playing for a little while. Yeah. So um, it's either the worst or the best. <laughs> fair enough. So, no, fair enough. Um, I don't know if it's a good strategy. I just know that if I played exactly how I played before, I would never beat Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and the goal, obviously. I've made it my life's duty <laughs> to beat Zach. Okay. And everywhere I can. And so, um, <laughs> everywhere you can. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's understandable. I get it. Sure. <laughs> uh, he definitely has the upper hand on you in Fantasy Movie League. 
so far. He does. He has some kind of weird magic. He's listening to something or reading something I don't have <laughs> access to, which is fine. Well, right. Whenever I try to talk to him about this, he gets all cagey. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that's funny. I, w- yeah. I wouldn't expect him to be so like secretive about that kind of thing. but. Oh, definitely. <laughs> him him and keel music right they're like they're in real life they're like best buddies uh-huh. and they're like at the top all the time right yes. so they've got something going on yes like often they have the exact <laughs> same lineup and by often i mean almost every week right and so i don't know if they're pooling their resources or like i don't know what's going on but right there's no, definitely something going on <laughs> fair enough i mean yeah, because like he and Zach, uh, Kill Music and Zach, as well as myself, and then I don't know who Rybone is, uh, but like those are the four people who have won the last four seasons that the league's been in effect in full. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. uh, for sure, because like uh, Zach and Kill Music have both been in the top four every season. And uh, that's not just a coincidence, it sounds like. Sure. Um, interesting. Fair I enough. don't know. I'm not accusing anybody. I just think it's <laughs> curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not necessarily collusion, but like maybe right. collusion. Maybe. Uh, a jury of our peers will decide. <laughs> right. Um, For sure. Because I know, not this season, but last season, the I think it was like the first three maybe four weeks in a row zach and i had the exact same lineup Hmm. and i was like i was like three yeah we had the first three weeks in a row we were identical and i just kept like looking i'd like look at like 1205 p.m friday and be like no like how can i gain ground on you when you play everything i'm playing (laughs) right i can't i can't improve but uh hmm okay yeah interesting cool so uh well i yeah i don't know if that necessarily answers my question or not it definitely helps me kind of get an idea of like where you were coming where you've been coming from to like have such wildly variating lineups for sure yeah i mean i don't know when it'll get dialed in or if it ever will i would say but i'm i'm definitely like on the on the weeks that i'm getting to it on friday I am reading the chatters both in our area and like the general chatter. Right. And, um, and I think I've learned more about the, some of the strategies of the game this season than I have like all the rest put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to, f- uh, yeah, to me, the sweet spot is figuring out when to trust my gut and when to trust the numbers. And it, it seems like there is definitely clear weeks where your gut does not matter. These numbers, you can't ignore them type of thing. Yeah. And then there's other weeks where it is up for grabs. And those are the weeks that determine the winners versus the people who land in the middle of the top 10, I would say. Yes, I agree with that for sure. Definitely. Yeah, it, it's it's tricky. It's It's a tough... Like it's a tough game, and like, you know, I, I probably spend way too much time reading the chatter than I I need to, and I think that mm-hmm. I ultimately end up second guessing myself to my own detriment. Come like eleven thirty five a.m. Friday morning, 
Uh, sure. But definitely, like, looking through all the people talking about this, that, or the other thing, like, everybody, this season in particular, has seemed more difficult than seasons past. And uh, so... Well, most seasons don't have it. I mean, that, <laughs> that's that true. movie, it just... It it not it didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but it 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 kind of did. It came out of nowhere and it didn't go away, and so it kind of mm-hmm. screwed up every week. It was hard to predict anything because you couldn't count on the movie, the main new releases, to be the ones that played. Right. It um, just you know, it just kept because like it came out uh, like five or six weeks ago, and pretty much every movie that's come out since then. Had, even if it had debuted at higher numbers than it did um or or like you know it like like last week the mountain between us did more money than it but this week mm-hmm. it did more money than the mountain between us and that's pretty much been the pattern every week is that something will have more money than it but a week or two later it's still making a lot more money somehow like i don't it's like a two and a half two hour 20 minute movie how hasn't everyone not seen it already? Everyone's going to see it a second time, third time, fourth time, etc. Yeah, and you compare that to this week, and then you have like a box office that doesn't even have it in it. Yet it is still killing it, you know. Yeah, like office. it's still doing really well, all things considered. Yeah. But it also kind of throws off the new releases. Right. Like the new, the, when you're trying to predict the new releases that are going to help your bottom line, <laughs> it's hard to predict because you still have it out there sucking up all the money. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, so. Flatliners came and went, and um, that other really bad horror movie, Friend Request, came and went, and like they both underperformed drastically. It wasn't until Happy Death Day that any th- any other horror movie could like do well. And it's I don't know, it's cool. it's one of those uh, event movies, and outside of like comic book movies, you really don't get those anymore. It seems so. That's right. I'm, I'm glad for that reason at least that it did so well keeps it's like the jurassic world of this year or something like that (laughs) almost i guess a little bit almost not quite i I mean it at this point like they're not the people that are watching it now are watching it over and over and over again it's becoming one of those movies that like people are going to Mm -hmm. oh they're like making it a tradition every weekend to go to it again um, and there's not too many movies that do that. I never would have guessed that would be the movie that does that. No, but, not at all. Um, but it seems to have caught that uh, that wave for some reason. Yeah, it. Um, you know, it's probably going to take like, I think what the next big movie is like Thor. I think that's probably going to be the something that finally puts a bigger blockbustery movie out that isn't it really. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Cool. Well, uh, it's been more than two hours. Awesome. <laughs> Is this your longest episode ever? Uh, I don't. I don't. I think I got. I think I narrowly avoided making it to three hours once before, uh, and that was sure. just by myself. <laughs> so. Wow, that's, that's impressive. It's a, it's a marathon kind of an episode, uh, but. <laughs> This is this is definitely one of the longest ones. It's up there for sure. Um, nice. Yeah, but thank you so much for coming on. Uh, had a yeah, good time. It was fun. Enjoyed it. It was fun. It's great. Good lists. Yeah. Definitely. Nice to nice to finally. Not that I couldn't put the voice with your name before, but like, <laughs> like like in a more immediate sense of the term, kind of thing. Sure. For sure. Sounds good. 
Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on and um, and all the attention you give us uh, on your podcast. It's appreciated as well. And um, I hope it keeps growing. Yeah, me too. I, I, you know, like I said, like I said before, like the, a big part of why I started is from your show and uh, it's, it's, I, I would be remiss to not uh, at least in some fashion, like respect that in my show occasionally. <laughs> Sure. And and just like the fact that like I've I don't I don't know how many I don't know if you know how many hours of of podcast material are out there that you've made some thousands of hours, but like, oh it's like um it's like every year it's around four days worth of listening. Oh jeez, uh, yeah, so a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> and yeah, I've heard it all. So like I've got a lot of your mannerisms and then like stuff in like that sense, like bouncing around in my head all the time uh let's hope not you don't say like <laughs> as much as i do that's the one i'm actively trying to shape and yet i can't quite get there uh, fair uh i think one well, i did okay. definitely pick up though is for sure yeah i definitely for sure a lot. and i've also noticed that when you run out of things to say you say awesome which is what i do. <laughs> yes i yeah um so but I think those are fine quirks. The like yeah. annoys me when I listen to it back, so I know it annoys other people. But those other okay. ones, you could people can live with, I think. Yeah, I I would say like listen when I like hearing you say that. I don't specifically remember noticing that that happens a lot when I listen to your episodes and your show. Like I wouldn't like like is not something that I would have generally associated you like saying in like a nervous habit or anything like that. Uh, uh -huh. So, oh, yeah. now, now that's the only thing. You'll yeah, of course, obviously, like, right. of course, glass shattered <laughs> and all that. <laughs> but uh, hopefully I can, I can wade through that and then still be, <laughs> sure. still be a listener. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I think you'll manage. <laughs> Great. Uh, so now I just got to get Zach on the show and yeah. Talk. He doesn't know I'm doing this. So, oh, really? You haven't talked to him about it? Uh, I think it'd be fun if it just shows up in his uh, <laughs> podcast feed. It's always fun. Sure. <laughs> That'll be funny. That'll be cool. I guess thanks again, and go check out the Cinerealist podcast pretty much anywhere where podcasts are found. And if you would like to send any comments, concerns, questions, or answers to the show, send those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you want to learn more about the show, about me, about the spreadsheet, anything like that, head over to circleoffilm.com. And if you'd like to support the show in any way, shape, or form, head over to patreon.com slash circleoffilm. And, as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu In the name of love, one night in the name of love So long, farewell, oh what I'll be to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute